morning. So our Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, and you can follow it in your service sheets and on the overheads. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm Chris Everett, the accomplished street preacher. <laughs> uh, I didn't realise that Pads was going to say that, but I'm also the, uh, the youth worker, the youth pastor here. Uh, first thing I want to say is I'm not a vicar, uh, so I'm not as holy as Pads. Uh, I'm kind of like the substitute. So, but please believe me, I'm not going to be talking about my own life, I'm going to be talking from the Bible. So uh, as long as I'm talking from the Bible, you can rest assured that hopefully what I'm telling you is going to be the truth. Well, it is. It's, it's coming from the Bible, okay? Uh, you know, I remember a long time ago, I went to a baptismal service as a non-Christian, as an unbeliever, and finding the whole thing so bizarre. And I remember nudging my uh, father-in-law at the time, and he was nudging me, and we was having a little snigger and a giggle, because I thought that, you know, these people were just absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, back then I was sort of like a drinker and getting in trouble with the police and all kinds of stuff like that. I never, ever imagined in my wildest dreams that maybe six months after that, God would absolutely get hold of my life and transform me and turn me inside out and upside down on the 6th of October 1990. And my life's never been the same since. 
Uh, I'm here to tell you that God is real. And I'm only here because I love God. I haven't got any qualifications. Uh, I didn't even leave school with any uh, O-levels or anything like that. You know, I'm just a simple person. But, you know, God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. So that's why I'm here today. I don't know if you know, but the Bible is true. And the Bible's important. It's serious. And everything that we see in the Bible is important. But if you see something in the Bible that's repeated three times, you've got to ask yourself that this, this has got to be really important. Because if the Holy Spirit put it in there three times, it means that God is trying to teach us something because he's repeating it. And if God repeats himself, then I suggest it's probably worthwhile listening to what it is he's got to say to us. In this passage, we see that there's a young man that comes up to Jesus. And this passage is referred to as the, the rich young ruler. So he's a rich young man. And we kind of can deduce that he's probably a Jew because he falls to his knees in front of Jesus and he calls Jesus good teacher. And no Roman around at that time would ever have fallen to his knees in front of a Jew and called him good teacher. So this guy is probably a synagogue ruler or something like that. So I think we can safely assume right from the word go that he believes in God. Now, if you ask most people in the world today, do you believe in God? Most people will say yes. Most of you will probably say yes. Most people will say they believe in God. And we can safely assume that this man believes in God. Because not only does he fall to his knees and say, good teacher, but he actually asks, how do I inherit eternal life? In other words, how do I get to heaven? Now, you might not be a churchgoer. You, you might only ever darken the door of a church to come to a baptism or a wedding or a funeral. But I bet in your quiet times, in your darkest hours, you probably asked yourself at least once in your life, will I go to heaven? And I think really when you think about the difference between whether or not it's heaven or hell, most people, most people would say they want to go to heaven. Because at least we know that heaven's a good place, right? This man's asking, how do I get to heaven? It's a good question, and he's asking the right person. Notice that he calls Jesus good. That word comes up a few times in this passage. He calls Jesus good. And he asks what he should do. There's two key words there. He calls Jesus good, and he says, what should I do? Jesus asks him a question, and he says, why do you call me good? Jesus is asking, not because he doesn't know the answer, but by asking, he begins to uncover the man's motives. When we say something to God, he judges the heart, not the words. So when you say vows, like with the baptismal vows and everything, those words mean something. When you say those words, you're judged by the words that you speak. Because your words come from your heart. You know, God's not impressed by what we say or what we look like. He only looks at this. The Bible says that people judge by outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Listen to this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Sobering words. We can't pull the wool over God's eyes. And then Jesus follows it up with a statement. And he says, no one is good except God alone. Listen to this. Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. How many fools are there in this building today? There's a lot of fools in this world. We rely on philosophy, riches, politics, all manner of things, everything and anything except believing God. But God himself says that if you don't believe, you're a fool. He goes on to say they are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one, no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one good, not even one. Let's see how good you are, he says to the young man. You know the commandments. So Jesus says five commandments. And the man says, I've done all of these since I was a young boy. Jesus doesn't comment, but all I can say that it's highly unlikely that this young man's telling the truth. Because Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that even if you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, it's the same as committing adultery. Oops. That's every man here. I don't think that man kept that commandment. This man thinks he's doing well. And you know what? It's pitiful. It's so sad. Because it's the delusion of self-righteousness. To think that you're good enough for God. This man, he believes in God. He strives to be good. And he's religious. Surely that's everything that you need to go to heaven. Believe in God. Do good. Strive to do good. Be religious. But I'm going to throw it back to you now. People say they believe in God. The Bible says that the demons believe in God and tremble. Do demons go to heaven? Of course they don't. People say they believe in God. What God do you believe in? Everybody believes in different gods. The Muslims have their God. The Jehovah's Witnesses have theirs. The Mormons, the Catholics, etc., etc. There's lots of gods. I spoke to hundreds of Muslims in Hyde Park on Sunday. They all believe in God. But I would say they don't believe in the one true God. Because amongst the gods, there is one true God. There is the maker of heaven and earth. There's the one who created you in his image and likeness. And he's the one that you have got to give an account to. 
He's the one true God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. One day you're going to meet him. One day you're going to see him face to face. One day you're going to give an account. Believing in God is not what God is after. God doesn't need your affirmation. God is not so insecure that he needs little old you and me to say to him, yes, I believe in you. When we say we believe in God, most of the time what we're really saying is, yeah, I acknowledge there's a God. Who cares? God doesn't care about that. Why should God care that you or I believe in him? He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the one who was and is to come. He doesn't need our affirmation. What I would say to you is this, is believing in God and believing God is two different things. Because if you believed God, you'd be in church every Sunday. Believing in God and believing God is two different things. Abraham, the Bible says, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He'd already believed in God. But there came a moment in his life when he said, God, you are real. Come and take my life. Do with me as you will. That's when he stepped over from believing in God to believing God. I always believed in God. I knew there must be a God somewhere out there. I looked around and I thought, there's got to be more to life than this. But I never believed him. Because all I wanted to do with my life was drink and go out and get in trouble and be one of the boys. I worked on a building site. I was a jack the lad. Someone said to me, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, I'm a good person. But I've never believed him. The only time God was ever impressed with anything I ever said was when I said, I believe you, Lord. Come and take my life. There is a big, big difference. And now the hammer begins to fall. Because Jesus begins to uncover him. He bursts his bubble. He reveals his blind spot. He brings him to his senses. Because this young man was rich. And he said, I've done all of the things that you've told me to do. Jesus said, you know something? You believe in God. You strive to be good. And you're religious. But you're still missing something. You're still lacking something. Can you believe that? He doesn't meet God's criteria for heaven. He set his own agenda. Jesus says to him, take everything you've got, sell it, and give all the proceeds to the poor. Give it all to the poor. Give it away. And the young man's face becomes downcast. And then we begin to see where this guy's really coming from. He's broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me, it says. And yet money was his God. He's broken the second commandment. Because the Bible says, make not for yourself a grave, an an image. Make not for yourself an idol. Money was his idol. Bang! It's all gone. In the book of James, it says, if you break the commandments at the very smallest point, it's like you've broken them all. So I've got news for you. Being good does not get you to heaven. You might be surprised at me saying that, but being good does not get you to heaven. I come across people like this all the time. All the time. I speak to people all the time on the street. And they all, a lot of people say the same thing to me. Oh, but I've never murdered anybody. 
oh, I've never done this, oh, I've never done that. I say to them, have you ever lied? Oh, yeah, I've told a lie. What does that make you? Uh, makes me a liar. Have you ever stolen anything? Oh, when, when I was little, I stole a little penny chew. What does that make you? Um, that makes me a thief. To the guys, you ever looked at a woman lustfully? Oh, oh yeah, 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 I've done that, yeah. What does that make you? That makes you an adulterer. No adulterers, no thieves, no liars are in heaven. Because heaven is a place of holiness. It's a place where God is. And if you went to heaven like that, you'd only pollute the place. So there's no place, there's no room for any of those types of people. We're not made right in God's sight by being good. Because the benchmark is God's goodness. The mark we have to attain to is his standard. We can't measure up. And if there was any way possible of doing so, let me ask you this. Why would Jesus need to have died on the cross? We know that Jesus died on the cross to set us free from the power of sin and death. If you could do it for yourself, he could have stayed in heaven and spared himself the agony. But the fact of the matter is is that God loves you so much that he sent his only son into the world to set you free from the power of sin and death. Jesus took on our sin so that you and I, the guilty ones, could go free and that Jesus could be declared guilty. That's the glory of the Christian gospel. It's not so much what we can do for God, it's what God did for us. It's not so much that we can reach out to God, but that God reached down for us. You're made in the image and likeness of God. You're unique. You're wonderful. He loves you. He cares about you. And you know, if you were the only person that was on the face of the planet, God would still have sent Jesus to die for you. You know, the Bible says that very rarely will anyone die for a a sinful man, for a good man rather. Someone might die for a, a noble man, but Jesus died for us while we were sinners. Let that sink in. Maybe it'll begin to make you realise that you are so precious. What I'm saying to you is this. Is that Christianity is not something that you achieve. It's something that you receive. It's a gift. It comes by grace, which means unmerited favour, through faith. And that's the gift of God so that no one can boast. You're not going to be able to stand in front of God and say, look at me. Look at all the lovely things I did. There are going to be more good people in hell than there are bad ones. Let me say that again. There are going to be more good people in hell than bad ones. Because at least when you're bad, and at least when you know you're bad, then God can do something with you. I knew I was rotten to the core. I knew that I needed a saviour. But when you think you're good, when you think you've got it all together, when you think you can do it on your own, then it's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more difficult. I want to finish with this. This is what I want you to go away with, is that God has great love for you. Great, great love for you. The key verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but receive everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You're part of the world. 
And one day you're going to meet God face to face. My prayer is, is that you won't meet him and try to justify yourself in front of him. Because you're going to come up short. But if you come before God in humility and in thankfulness because of what he did for you, then he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and take part in your inheritance. Life begins today. If God is speaking to your heart, no matter who you are, then you need to do something with this. Don't walk away from it and dismiss it. These words are true. I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit now. I don't know if this is right, but I've been praying a lot about today and I felt God tell me, and I could be wrong, it could just be my own sort of thing. And if I'm wrong, I'll hold my hands up and admit I'm wrong. But I feel that there's a woman here that has been diagnosed with breast cancer. And... If, if that's you, then please don't leave the building without speaking to someone. Could be wrong. I, I admit I could be wrong. But I just got this impression over and over and over again. And if that is you, then please go and pray with, you know, ask someone to pray with you. Because you know what? It could be that you're here for a reason. It could be that by the grace of God, you're going to get healed. So let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father we declare that there is no other God. You are the one true God, the maker of heaven and earth. You're the one who was and the one who is and and the one who is to come. Lord, forgive us for those times when we judge you with less than serious attitudes. Father, I pray that the words that I've spoken today will be sealed by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that the words that I spoke today would not be my words, but your words. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I want to tell you, I've got no shame or embarrassment in saying it. That I love you, Lord. Amen.